0: Hi, I'm talking with Jeff Peavy, current president of the Automotive Management Institute, chairman of CIC, the Collision Industry Conference, and soon to be vice president of technical products, programs, and services at ICAR. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, thank you. That's one of the longest introductions I think I've ever done. (laughs) You're a busy guy.
1: Yeah, uh, I, you know, I was uh, doing a presentation or interview the other day and talking about all of the different things that I've been involved with in the industry and, both past and present. Yeah, I like to stay busy.
0: Well, there's a bunch of stuff that I wanted to talk with you today about, and let's begin with the first ever CIC virtual meeting in the face of all the pandemic. I know we've all been doing things a lot differently, but for the Collision Industry Conference, which is known for live meetings, recently had a virtual meeting on Zoom platform, I believe. How did that go? It actually went really well. I have to thank the
1: handlers and, and the whole there was a whole team of people working behind the scenes because there was there's a lot of moving parts to the collision industry conference, even when it's held live. In a virtual setting, there's a lot more things to be monitoring and it's a lot of moving parts, but it turned out really well. We had I think it was about five hundred and ninety something that were pre-registered. and obviously people came and went based on the things that were important to them. We found that there was a lot of interaction with each other, with the attendees on the chat feature. We also had a lot of questions and, you know, through the Q&A and then people raising their hands. It turned out to be very interactive, which was our goal. And you made a point that's really important, and that is the Collision Industry Conference traditionally has always been a live meeting. There was an open microphone that people, anyone in the industry could get up and speak at, ask questions, make comments, take a position just announced various things and it's so it was a bit challenging, I think for all of us to envision the elements of the collision industry conference, uh, as an open forum of the industry to get our heads around, how is that going to look in a virtual setting? And we'd already had one meeting canceled because of COVID and because there's all of these different volunteer committees that work so hard throughout the year, they have presentations and updates and things that they need to put in front of the, the attendees of uh, the body, if you will, of the collision industry conference. And we really couldn't afford to not have another meeting. So we went for it. We made the decision to go virtual for this one time at least, and uh, to learn from it, which we did. And uh, it turned out really well. I mean, just from the feedback, it's, it apparently was a, a real success. And so think about it. We had, quite a bit of representation from the emerging technologies committees for those that may not be overly familiar with CIC or the collision industry conference. It is an open forum held four times a year. You can speak uh, at an open microphone, make comments or questions as I mentioned, but we have, uh, the chairman determines the topics to be discussed during that chairperson's term. And once those topics are chosen, individuals are chosen to be chairs or co-chairs and then they build their volunteer committees and then people from cross sections of of the various segments work on those topics. So uh, emerging technologies there's quite a bit of representation from them. There was a discussion of course about calibration and ADAS. We pulled a workflow project from Sika. Uh, the uh, Collision Industry Electronic Commerce Association. We pulled some work that they provided to us, the Emerging Technologies Committee, then put it in front of the CIC body. Uh, We had discussions about best practices. So Vernon Law, an old baseball player, said that experience is a hard teacher because she gives the test first and the lessons follow. And at CIC, it's a chance to learn from others and others' mistakes before you have to take your test, right? So emerging technologies, they talked about some issues car manufacturers have around steering column measurements and some positions they have on the collision. And and that is a really great topic to discuss and to bring out into the open. I also thought it'd be important not just to have... A group focusing on emerging technologies, because to me, once they start to emerge, they're on you, right? And so we have a future disruptions, a future industry disruptions committee. And they had an awesome presentation with Frank Turlip and Jake Rodenroth about things that are coming that we haven't seen yet. We had the group that is dealing with data access, privacy, and security do a presentation that's a really important topic We do have a committee that works on topics surrounding estimating and all the changes that are happening there. We have a legislative governmental type committee that brings various aspects of the work some groups are doing from a legislative standpoint. We have a talent pool and education committee that are working on some studies on the aspect of not only education, but, you know, is there a technician shortage? If so, how are some people recruiting, onboarding, and and being successful at at retention. We have a parts and material committee, which uh, has been working on parts definitions, been a very active and very interesting body of work. And then of course, we had a relations committee that dealt with the insurance and the collision repair shops relationships, but we asked to expand that. So it's industry relations, because As all of this technology and changes are coming on us, all of the different segments and their relationships in some areas are strained or maybe no longer exist like they once did. And we're trying to get a a bigger picture and get our head around what that looks like and as it's ongoing.
0: So, Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I had the opportunity to sit in on that presentation. It was all done with video. I think it was a Zoom platform you used, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: And, uh, I know Jordan Hendler and one other individual were basically engineering the, uh, the process. They did a great job.
1: Yeah. There was actually at least four people behind the scenes. In addition to me, they were supporting me. So it was really great
0: to have that much support. It was needed. Any takeaways that you got from the meeting? Was it the usual industry mix? What was the attendance like?
1: Well, I got this platform I'll, I'll jump up on my soapbox. Collision industry conference is perfect for collision repairs to attend and to get involved, making it an influence and make a difference. However, we only have a typically between 20% to 28% attendance. So out of our attendees, generally it's in the 20% range that are actually collision repairs. That's always disappointed me. I mean, I know they have businesses to run. Small businesses are often really challenged to be able to stop and and attend something, especially if it's that long. But we did think we would have more collision repairs because there wouldn't ha- we wouldn't have the travel. But we still had 20-something percent that were collision repairs. Hmm. There's about 25% typically that attend that are suppliers, some sort of product or material suppliers, jobbers. And then, of course, there's car manufacturers, there's insurance segment, personnel, rental car, education. It's a decent mix overall. Mm -hmm. Can't really complain, but I'm just a real advocate for the collision repair shop owner manager. And sometimes I wish they could have the ability or or would put the priority on showing up for these sort of things.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's tough to get away from the business. I know everybody struggles with that. Yeah. And actually, it's been one of the interesting developments, I think, during this whole COVID experience that we're going through, is that I think, and I've said this on other podcasts, there's actually, I think, a new appreciation for the value of either distance learning or, you know, virtual meetings is actually being realized now that we're pretty much forced to experience things these ways, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. But it can also work really well. I know when you and I were talking about this, you had mentioned that this meeting you had a record number of first time attendees, right?
1: Yeah. We have had a growing number over the last year and a half, two years. The number of first time attendees has been growing. And in fact we have had as many as 20% of the audience were first timers, which makes me really happy. But, uh, on the virtual meeting, uh, it was, it was on that high side. It was in the 20 percentile range of people who had never attended it, uh, ever. And that's that's very exciting.
0: That's great. Well, good. I'm glad it was a success. Again, I know it was a bit of a point in history, we should note, that the CIC went virtual. Yeah. And it seems to have worked out great, which is kind of what I've been hearing from a lot of folks. Yeah. It's not ideal. Obviously, we all prefer to meet face-to-face, but a lot more work is being done virtually these days. And I think this is just the times, right?
1: Yeah. And Tony, you know, one of the things that I thought was appropriate, the Future Disruptions Committee... We let them or asked them to have the last presentation, had a lot of videos to watch, pretty exciting stuff. And they went over some of the future disruptions in our industry around claims, how the OEMs actually are being disrupted and how our work with them is going to be disrupted by some of the future technologies. The electric vehicle was, was uh, brought up, connected cars the internet of things and big data, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, and and some of the newer business models that are starting to emerge. That, to me, to be the first time virtual and then to have the last presentation cover these topics just seemed very appropriate.
0: Yeah, I would agree. You've been the chairman of CIC for two years. I believe this is your last year in office, right?
1: Yeah. Typically, it is a The way it's presented to me, at least, is that it's a one-year term with the possibility of a second year. But typically, it's a two-year term for the individuals that are uh, selected.
0: Well, again, you've done a great job. I'm sure they'll be sorry to see you go. Uh, And along those lines, you're currently the president of the Automotive Management Institute. Full disclosure, Jeff and I started working for ASA at about the same time. Mm -hmm. And you have been recently recruited away by the ICAR organization mm-hmm. as their new vice president of technical products or programs and services. And congratulations on the new gig.
1: Well, thank you. I, you know, it's uh, the way I, I put it is I'm still in the same neighborhood. I just will be changing addresses. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it may be a little hard for some people to understand, but I run in training circles. I was with ICAR for almost 17 years, moved over to take over AMI, uh, May of 2015, a little over five years ago, and fascinating organization. I think it doesn't get enough attention, and I think the industry ha- appreciates it more as they learn more about it. But took over that project, as I call it, we, we called it the Next Generation Project in May of 2015. We went through quite a, a time of exploration, really trying to just understand what AMI had been to people in the industry, what it had done well, what it needed to do better, the direction that the organization needed to go. And so uh, with myself and the board of trustees, we determined from that feedback and that effort to gain feedback from the industry, we began to figure out the direction. So then we built our strategic plan and then started the process of execution. We built a learning management system so that we could host online programs and training. We really wanted to build kind of an open source so that people could put training online and it could be organized in a way that it resulted in professional designations. Today, AMI, five years later, has over 300 online courses and assessment tests for both mechanical service repair and collision repair, And those are like leadership, uh, human resources. There are various operational things like parts management or understanding financial statements. But uh, we created a a series of core competencies based on our designation journeys, our professional designation journeys. And then there's this elective program. And so we started that. We really pushed the importance of soft skill training you know, listening skills, telephone skills, really just good general customer service skills as a platform, as the place to begin, Uh, working your way up into management and so forth. We built a certificate for customer service for uh, the service repair industry. We have another certificate that's equal, that is our parallel for the collision repair. And then there's office manager, general manager, and then a master level general manager on the collision side. We put together two uh, estimator professional designations. And in those on the collision side, they require some ICAR training, they require uh, the ASE B6 certification for the master level. So it really has become an umbrella for a lot of efforts out there that result in a professional designation that you earn and then can maintain. And we now are also doing some car manufacturer training on the collision side. Uh, the FCA, the Dodge, you know, Ram, Jeep, Chrysler, Fiat organization, we do training online for them for their certified collision network, which has been a real boost. It's helped, uh, helped AMI grow financially uh, much faster than it normally would. And so that's been a, a great deal. There's a a couple more car manufacturers that are in the process of coming online with us uh, on board, you know, we're onboarding them. And uh, so we have great things going on at AMI. And as you mentioned, my goal was to uh, help the organization get reestablished, really improve its exposure and marketing, and uh, really get a f- curriculum framework uh, that would be sustainable as well as financially being st- sustainable. And, I feel like we're there mm-hmm. COVID disrupted us a little bit, but we are poised by the end of the year for AMI to do great things. And then of course that allowed me then to go back to, to my roots of technical training. I was involved, Tony, you, you remember in November Maria and my wife, Maria and I interviewed Marsha and Matthew Bichon, Mm-hmm. Sure, the people that were injured in the Honda accident. That was so well known mm-hmm. that really weighed on my conscience. And I believe that technical training really plays an important role in that complete and safe and quality repair. So when this new role at ICAR was offered, it was something I was very interested in, but also knowing that AMI is poised or positioned really well to have a great sustainable future. So now it's about looking for that candidate to take over the organization, AMI, and just really continue to build on on the efforts uh, that we've had over the last five years or so.
0: Well, you've certainly made a difference, and I've had the pleasure of watching it unfold. And you can just see the difference you've made, and and we commend you for that. And hey, I'm sorry to see you go, but I get you on the dedication. You know, most of us are in this to make a difference. I think to have an impact of some kind. Tell me a little bit more about the new role at ICAR.
1: Sure, I will be responsible for curriculum development, the repair technical support uh, hotline, the RTS as ICAR calls it, where Uh, Shops and collision repair technicians can write in, call in looking for technical support. There's a tremendous database that's been built around what are repair issues and challenges in the industry. I'll be involved in some of the car manufacturer relationships and the technical aspect of those relationships. And so, you know, it's, it's a chance. I have some things I really want to do when it comes to online training. I have a real bias towards training, speaking to the technician and speaking in the language of the technician so that, you know, if you have that mind that can fix things, there is a mindset there that sometimes it's easy for us to build training that misses it. I was a technician. I still like to flatter myself that I'm still a technician, but I certainly am a technician at heart. I kind of approach the world in that technician mindset. So I really want to see us continue at iCard to grow and not only support the technician, the people that are putting hands on the car and repairing it, and those that are tasked with running a business that repairs those cars, but to really just make sure that it is as relevant and valuable and easy to learn from as possible. And like I say, I've got a lot of things I want to do uh, with training that's online. Uh, there's a lot of new technology. It's a it's a very dynamic industry around online training. And there is some fantastic things that we can continue to grow that will make that training more interesting and, and really more effective.
0: With your background and experience, this is going to be an exciting time for you and probably very good for the industry. So again, congratulations on the new job.
1: Well, thank you. And I, you know, I, I may be stepping away from the AMI president role, but I want to see it continue to grow. I do think, and I think this is a lesson that everyone that's in a leadership role or aspires to be in a leadership role, and the test of a good leader is when you build something and then step away from it. If you build it uh, with the intention of it's not built around you, but around the process, structure, culture, and the core values, then it will just keep going. And that was my goal all along. Mm-hmm. We're going to put that to the test. So, uh, I will certainly be supporting the next president, you know, in the transition and everything. And, and, uh, I joke, but, uh, the latter part of this year, AMI is poised to do extremely well. My goal is, is that as I step away here pretty soon, that, uh, AMI will just have a great deal of success after I'm gone. And some people may go, Hmm, we probably should have should have helped him move along sooner.
0: So, <laughs> Yeah, I get some of that from my kids from time to time. <laughs> Jeff, it has been a pleasure to work with you. And actually, you and I have known each other throughout our careers at, at different organizations. And A long time, yeah. A long time. And I've always respected and admired you. And I know that it was great to have you as part of the team at ASA. And I'm sure you're going to make just as big an impact at ICAR. And, you know, truth be told, we all support each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, ASA always supports ICAR and vice versa. And it's, it's nice to know that while you'll be at a different address, we're both going to still be in the same neighborhood. So we get to continue working together, just in a slightly different uh, arrangement.
1: You bet, and I I do appreciate this podcast. I have an appreciation for the benefits, the challenges, and the the real attributes of podcast. As you know, uh, my wife and I started Collision Boost Radio back in February, and it really is focused around newcomers to the industry or those uh, that are considering coming into the collision repair industry what we're finding is a lot of people are using it because we have this series called career stories and uh, you can learn a great deal about some of the well known people in the industry and how they got started and you know how they ended up where they, where they are. So I do have an appreciation for the podcast. I think our industry will continue to grow in its appreciation for podcasts too.
0: Well, again, you and I share two things. The fact that we tend to think of ourselves as technicians (laughs) and the other is that we're both podcasters. So I think that's pretty cool actually. And yeah, um, it's nice to know that you're going to be continuing that. Mm -hmm. Where can someone listen to that? We're on all of
1: the platforms, Spotify, Apple, and probably one of the fastest, easiest ways is to simply Google Collision Boost Radio. And Collision Boost is actually a an advanced gaming term. It's a technique that advanced gamers that play online games use to boost themselves up and over obstacles. Collision Boost Radio is about helping young people or really anyone in the industry get a boost up over obstacles that they may face. We do as much work offline through collision boost Radio at gmail.com. We get requests for topics, We get questions from a lot of young people coming into the industry, and uh, that's been a real rewarding for both Marie and I.
0: Well, Jeff, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Again, congratulations on the new position at ICAR. We are sorry to see you go, but we are and will be forever grateful for how much you've done for the Automotive Management Institute and ASA. So it's been a pleasure, brother. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for everything you do as well. I'm sure I'll see you around the industry at some point. So until next time, take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast, or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.